This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, August 17th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And I'm glad you're all with me for this hour. I'm going to do my best to make it educational and instructive for you. And our goal each and every day is to help make you a little bit better of an investor and a saver. And we talk about investing a lot. We talk about stocks and different asset classes. And the show is called Invest Talk. So I get it. But saving is also very, very important and good money habits, which we try to uh, discuss on this show as well. And that is really the foundation is making good money decisions each and every day. Now, we are halfway through the month of August. And means we're only 80-something days away from the election. Today marks the beginning of the Democratic Convention. And then we had the Republican Convention on, what is it, a week, week from now? A week or two from now? I forget the exact date, but it's, it's coming up as well. So once that happens, then you kick into the debates. And, and there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of twists and turns, I think, uh, in this final stretch we know that both sides are very divided. They're very, they, they both want to win desperately. And that means I think they're, both, they're all going to pull out all the stops. And that means market gyrations, most likely, right? As markets try to price in one winning versus the other. And then we have the pandemic on top of it, which, you know, we're going into the sixth month now. And surely it's inflicted a lot of economic damage and it's made the market very bifurcated, right? Some companies doing fantastic, others doing not so fantastic. And we're basically back to where we started, at least on the S&P. If you look at broader indexes, we're, we're close there, close to it. Right. NYSE, for example, we're not quite back to where we were pre-pandemic, but we're, we're almost there. The value line geometric index, which measures the average stock, that one remains well below its highs. So you can see that it's a very top-heavy market. We know that. Part of that for good reason. Part of that because of very low rates. Seeing the dollar weaken, continues to weaken. Precious metals, good day today. Big news over the weekend was Warren Buffett, for the first time I've seen in my career, buying up gold, gold miners. Bought about half a billion dollars in, what was it, Barrick? I think it was Barrick. New Martin Barrick, but I'm pretty sure it was Barrick. And what was more interesting to me was what he didn't buy. He didn't add to his equity positions. And he actually sold his banks. Not all of them, but cut his position in many of his banks, including Wells Fargo, which is kind of a darling of his. Now, what does that tell you? What is 
What message does that send from Warren to the rest of the market? I think A, he sees the debasement of the currency. He sees the monetary situation that we are in, the fiscal situation that we are in, right? The Fed stuck at zero, printing money and monetizing our debt, and that seems to only be exploding. So he clearly sees that issue as well, and he's not seeing much value, right? He's not picking up new positions. But that doesn't mean that there aren't values out there. There aren't opportunities out there. So that's our job today, is to help you uncover some of those opportunities. Make sure you understand the pros and the cons. Because opportunities don't just mean, oh, this is a guaranteed. This is definitely going to win. It's all about playing the odds. A lot of people see the stock market as a casino, but it's not, if you know what you're doing. There are odds to these things. Nobody knows the exact outcome. But you can put the odds in your favor if you understand the right data points and analyze it correctly based on the context of where we are in the business cycle and within a particular industry. So that's our goal today. I'm Justin Klein. And on this program and podcast, I will do my best to provide you some unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions help you with strategies to deal with the level of volatility that we're experiencing. And I'm ready to take your calls right now at 888-99-CHART. Meharan Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's how Steve and I are different than other financial advisors, meaning provide unbiased guidance. And we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So now that I've set things up, I'm ready to take your calls right now. Once again, 888-99-CHART. If you ever want to sit down with myself or Steve, Spotify, Spotify, uh, uh, Skype, phone calls, Jive meetings. We do uh, video chats all the time with listeners going over their portfolio. We can share screens. It's very instructive. And if you ever want to set up a time to meet with myself or Steve, just head over to investtalk.com. Now, my focus point today concerns the story Uber and Lyft are threatening to suspend service in California. What does that mean for them, but also the broader gig economy? The gig economy has taken off for the past five to 10 years with the advent of smartphones and GPS. And this has helped a lot of people, people that may not have as good of other opportunities. And now they can become an Uber driver or Uh, They can do DoorDash. They can do a lot of things to supplement their income or maybe just be their main income. But it's kind of this new in-between between independent contractor and employee. And they're still trying to figure this out. So we're going to discuss the dynamics of the politics because that's really what this is. It's politics. And what that could ultimately mean for Uber and Lyft and other gig economy companies. So that's what we're going to touch on mainly. Also, America is moving away from mutual funds even more into ETFs. So I'm going to throw some numbers out there to give you a sense of what that particularly looks like. Also, South Dakota has turned down Trump's unemployment benefit boost. $300 a week. Why? 
And could more states be doing that as well? And then lastly, Fortnite removed their game from Google and Apple's stores, app stores. And what is it, last week? I think it was late last week. And what this could mean for the antitrust lawsuit against Apple and Google and the other big tech companies as well. So that's what I'll, what's on my mind today. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's check on the market real quick. S&P closed up 9. The NASDAQ closed up 110. And you had the, uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. We had the Dow down about 86 points. So actually growth did a little better than value uh, today after a, a week showing last week. I still think this is a, a pretty pivotal week. We have Option X week as well. This is Option X week. And uh, the, the closing up of earnings season. We're at the tail end of earnings season and headed directly into election season. So that's certainly going to be interesting. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Summer is over halfway over, unfortunately. But that does not mean that the back half of the year is going to be maybe as easy as the middle part of the year, right? The first part of the year wasn't so easy, but the the middle part has been. But what about going into the back half of the year? We're going to talk about that. If you ever wanted to help have us help you develop effective strategies, just reach out to myself or Steve via investtalk.com. Now we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Monday. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. How is your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing volatility? You've got questions. Call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Dylan in Washington. He wants to talk about high-risk investments. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime uh, listener of the show. And before I ask my question, I just want to give a shout-out to my girlfriend, Brianne. Um, so my question is regarding high P.E. ratios. So if you look okay. at uh, businesses like Facebook and Google, they have those like low 30 P.E. ratios. And kind of what I've based a lot of my investments on are single digit to low teen digit PE ratios to really begin my um, due diligence on a company. And so when you have high, like when you have people like uh, Jim Cramer saying that these big tech stocks are a, a hold, how can you justify a low 30 PE ratio? And at what point it is speculative and no longer uh, investing? All great questions. First off, I would say don't listen to Kramer. Kramer is there for entertainment purposes only. Remember that. And CNBC is there for its entertainment. It's not necessarily there to help you too much with your investments. Uh, so treat it as such as entertainment. Second, high PEs are not necessarily an automatic turnoff for me. Uh, certain industries tend to trade at higher PEs, others at lower PEs. For example, commodities. Commodities tend to trade at low PE ratios. Why? Because they have typically low margins. They don't have uh, ability to, for the most part, to 
demand high margins because they're just selling they're out there in the marketplace they just need to have lower production costs than others and then they can get bigger margins but they're not typically operating with fat margins whereas for example software companies they tend to have really big margins and therefore their multiples are going to be bigger and the industry as a whole is bigger so when you're looking at multiples of any kind whether that's pe whether that's price to sales whether that's return on equity, all of these metrics that you're using to analyze a particular company, you need to look at it in context to others within the industry. Are they performing better, worse, average, and how does that look in comparison? Because you, otherwise you're comparing apples to oranges. You can't compare a Facebook to, say, a commodity producer. They're very, very different businesses with very different uh, economic dynamics, with very different business models, uh, so much, so much difference besides uh, the only thing they really have in common is that they're both equities. Besides that, they're extremely, extremely different. So try not to get too bogged down in low PE ratios. Certainly if you get too high, that there needs to be a certain level of growth to keep up with that high, high P ratio. Otherwise you have multiple compression, right, when growth slows. So that's the biggest risk for higher PE companies is simply, especially the ones that are growing uh, substantially, is growth slowing and then that, that multiple compressing down to something closer to what the overall market is at. Does that make sense, Dylan? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I, I, I urge people to really look at companies in context to their peers. So many people, especially beginners, they try to use P ratios because it's the most common metric. It's the first one you use. But I've said this before, and if you uh, subscribe to our Invest Talk Academy, you'll see my explanation. But what it means, what, what, what I explain is PE is a very manipulated number, can be manipulated. Why? Well, there's P. P is the market cap, the price. Well, that doesn't include debt. So a lot of companies are borrowing money to buy back shares, which is increasing their market cap, but it's also increasing the debt in their balance sheet. So P doesn't include that. And E is earnings, which obviously can be manipulated by uh, accountants as well. So take those, take the PE with a grain of salt. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have posted a brand new rapid fire hour bonus podcast. So head over to investtalk.com and check that out. I'm ready to take your calls right now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Hi, this is Jeremiah from Washington, D.C. I would like your opinion about shorting SQ. I do think it's a symbol of the tech bubble, and I'd like your opinion of it. Thank you. Bye. All right, looking at shorting Square, which is SQ is a symbol, market cap $67 billion, enterprise value $60 billion, which means they have a ton of cash on their balance sheet. So from that perspective, I, I like to short companies that have some sort of leverage to them because leverage often takes down. Uh, companies. 
Now, in the tech space, that's difficult. Uh, and, you know, a lot of them are cash rich. But from a valuation standpoint, this is very, very expensive. You're talking EBITDA about 40 million and an enterprise value of 61 billion. It's extremely, extremely expensive. Even though revenue growth is up, you've had EBITDA kind of level out here over the past year. Hasn't really gone anywhere or, you know, too much higher over the past year, even though the stock has gone much, much higher. Now, technically, it looks fine, uh, even though the MACD divergence, there's a little MACD divergence, meaning uh, some underlying weakness to the momentum. So that worries me a little bit. But I would wait for a break. This has really been following the 50-day moving average. If it can break the 50-day moving average, then I would say, okay, it might reverse and have a margin compression, not margin, multiple compression, because that's really what you're looking for here is that they're not going to go away or anything like that, but that the market's going to value them at a much lower multiple. Right now, the P is 222. So I like what you're looking at from a valuation perspective. It is very, very overvalued here, but you would need to wait for some sort of turn in the technicals for me to get interested in shorting it. Uh, but I like that it's on your watch list too short. Now, my main focus point today concerns the story. Uber and Lyft are threatening to suspend services in California. And this is because lawmakers are trying to classify their drivers as employees as opposed to what they're currently classified as, as independent workers. Now, this allows Uber and Lyft and other gig economy companies to avoid paying expenses like healthcare and unemployment insurance for hundreds of thousands of drivers in the U in California. Now Uber and Lyft are appealing the latest ruling and they're looking to wait to the election where they have prop 22 on the ballot and they've poured 30 million dollars into lobbying for this ballot measure. And it would exempt drivers for app-based ride-hailing and food services from the employee classification required under the new state law. Now, this could cut both ways, right? Uber and Lyft may gain from a temporary shutdown if voters realize how much they miss their services. And that might push them to vote yes on the proposition. On the other hand, maybe us Californians who are fed up with corporate corporate tactics, right? And newfound appreciation for laboring workers during the pandemic who put themselves at risk, right? If you're in a car with other people and may decide that Uber and Lyft should follow the laws written. Now, from their stock and stock of any gig economy company, this is this could set an important precedent. Could make them have to pay payroll tax, which if you're talking about hundreds, hundreds of thousands of employees, that can mean a lot of money, make it even harder for them to get to profitability, which they really haven't gotten to. 
Now, if they, they surveyed their own drivers, and before the pandemic, about 81% said they, were, they preferred to be independent workers, meaning they could pick when they worked. It's a big reason, that's a big classification for independent workers. You don't control when they do their work. If you control when they do their work, then they become more employees. So the drivers like their independence. Now that number did drop to 71% post-pandemic. So that's interesting. Now, I think the biggest question a lot of these drivers have to ask themselves is are, how much are they really making? Yes, you have flexibility, but if you price in the cost to maintain a car, you have to subtract that from what they're actually making. So that's a big factor that uh, I think a lot of drivers are overlooking, that they may not, making, may not be making as much as they really think they are. But there could be a third way to handle this issue. And this is something that uh, Uber's CEO actually wrote to the president and proposing a third classification for gig companies where they're not independent workers, but they're not employees or something in the middle. And this is where innovation takes hold. And I think this is the true way to handle this. It's a new type of employee. We need a new type of classification. And I think that's ultimately where we get with this is figuring out a new carved out rules around gig workers. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Go to Dan in Palo Alto looking at Fastly Incorporated. You looking to buy it or do you own it? Well, I own it. I've taken a hit. I've owned it for a while, fortunately, but it's definitely taken a hit because of the WeChat issue. And uh, I had a kind of a, a backup question about there's so many people who depend on WeChat, to, as you know, to communicate between here and Asia with their families. Mm-hmm. Do you think there'll be a mm-hmm. compromise? Thanks. Can you explain a little bit more about I don't I'm not that familiar with Fastly. So can you explain a little bit more about Fastly well, well, and they're an internet, WeChat? Internet stock that just has a lot to do with data, and okay. um, they've just been red hot. If you look at their chart, and uh, they're but I think they have parts. They're kind of dependent on um, Tencent and okay. um, WeChat uh, in terms Wait. of their. Uh, yeah, that's the best okay. I can do I'm, to describe I'm, it. I bought it. What I'm, what I'm looking at, at least I'm just looking at the news here, it has more to do with the TikTok ban. Right. Yeah, uh, and it revealed that TikTok was its largest customer, largest single customer, accounting for about 12% of first half revenues. So if right. TikTok is banned or maybe it's bought by Microsoft, which they're talking about, right, where Microsoft will probably uh, pro, you know, have that function in-house, whatever Fastly is doing, right? They're pretty robust in their, uh, their cloud systems. So they'll lose that most likely, 12% of their revenue. Uh, I think the, the price is very, very steep for Fastly right now. You're talking about an $8 billion market cap. Even if you take into account their, their cash, you're talking about an enterprise value to $7.7 billion, and they're losing money. They only did $246 million in revenue trailing 12 months, and sounds about $30 million of that is about to be lost. Right. And so I would take my, my, my gains here, uh, to be honest with you. It's, it's moved down. It's just consolidating. 
and trending bearishly, to be honest with you, uh, I think gotcha. I would take my gains here. Okay, Justin. Appreciate Thanks. your wisdom as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Dan. Appreciate it. That was Fastly Inc. F-S-L-Y. That's a good lesson there. Uh, a lot of people overlook that is how much of a company's revenue is reliant on one single customer. Not 12%. It's not a ton. I've definitely seen higher. I've seen companies where 60% of their 60 plus percent of their revenue is tied to one particular customer. And I've seen those companies lose that customer and the stock goes down, you know, 80%. Seen that happen before. So when you're looking at these, uh, at researching companies, you need to understand the diversity of their client base and whether they're over-reliant on one particular company or a group of companies or a certain industry. So uh, that's a good lesson right there. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. Let's touch on Trump's executive order. And this was to extend unemployment benefits, at least the... Ex- people will still get unemployment benefits. It will just be, will they get the $600 additional per week that they did before? No, they'll get $400 per week additional. However, only $300 of that is coming from federal government. The extra hundred has to be paid by the state. And a lot of states' budgets are already crimped. Now, South Dakota is one state that has now opted out of this federal program. And one of the big reasons is because in order to administer this additional unemployment benefit, they're going to have to do it outside of their existing unemployment program. So it's going to have to be a separate check and they're going to have to develop a different way of doing things because it's outside of their state system. In addition, this is likely going to take a little longer than people are expecting. Now, it may be retroactive to August 1st, but people may not be getting the money until end of this month, maybe into early to mid-September as well. Now, four states, Arizona, Iowa, Louisiana, and New Mexico, have opted in and have been approved for this program. But South Dakota, their unemployment rate is only 7.2%. Still twice what it was in March at 3.1%. And down from 10.9 in April, but it's still in the bottom half of unemployment rates in the United States. Only eight states had lower rates in the month of June. Now, 28 million Americans were receiving these jobless benefits over various programs. Remember, it's not just the unemployment claims anymore. Right? The CARES Act launched a bunch of different jobless benefits and different programs for different types of workers. And not all will qualify for this boost. Only those receiving at least $100 in state benefits are eligible. So this is a good example of how an executive order, while can have some effect, it's never as clear-cut, as easy, as effective as something that comes out of Congress. And that's why there still needs to be something out of Congress in order to give the economy 
that next boost of stimulus, which it's going to need after the initial stimulus has now mostly worn off. Let's keep things moving. This time, we've got a question from an Talk listener in Massachusetts. Hi, guys. This is George from Western Massachusetts, and I have a question on stop-loss orders. What happens if a person has a stop-loss order for a stock and the stock splits and brings that price level below the trigger amount? Uh, will that order be executed, or what happens to it? Thanks. Brokers should adjust that. Uh, they may just cancel that order. Uh, that's something you have to talk to your broker about. You shouldn't. It shouldn't trigger uh, any anything. I would imagine. I've never seen this happen. I, don't, I haven't had that happen during when I had a, a live stop loss order. So it seems like something that the broker would just cancel that order, and you have to re-enter the stop loss order because I don't. I don't see any broker having that be a thing to where a split triggers a stop loss order. It just doesn't make any sense, but something you definitely want to talk to your broker about. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. Our podcast host provides download statistics, and we know that in July, for example, we had monthly totals over 850,000 downloads. Pretty crazy. Steve and I thank you for that, and please be sure to tell all your friends and family members about InvestTalk and our website, investtalk.com. We have a number of resources over there to assist you with your goal of building a solid financial future and financial independence. Now, if you're unsure how to start, I suggest you take a risk-wise risk questionnaire to help you define your investment comfort zone, and then we can help you make sure you're invested accordingly. Of course, you can call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We would love to help you, want to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial. Hi, Steve and Justin. Ray from Costa Mesa. Uh, I wanted to know what you guys thought about Gilead, G-I-L-P. It's an Israeli satellite company. I think there might be something to look at there. Let me know what you guys think. Love the show. Thank you. All right. Looking at Gilead Satellite Networks. Let's take a look at this. Never heard of this one. This is uh, an interesting one. GILT. I'm not getting much data, so it looks like it might be a very small cap company. Let's see the price. Yeah, it's a $5 per share stock. So it's a penny stock, not listed on a major exchange. So it's a OTC 
stock, it looks like. They provide satellite-based broadband communication. Company designs and manufactures ground-based satellite communications equipment and provides comprehensive solutions and end-to-end services. Cloud-based, a cloud-based satellite network platform. So it sounds kind of speculative, but, eh, you know, they're positive cash flow, 18 million dollars trailing 12 months you know not not a not a big big company its market cap is let's see what is it trying to find it here dividend yield six percent small cap value six three hundred million dollar market cap you know i don't hate it but i just don't have enough information on it here oh here we go Revenue down 23% last quarter, earnings negative 15 cents, 8% yield. That yield seems a little high, and it just started paying it too. And it's just its payout ratio is 145%. Uh, that is that that's GILT. There we go. Okay, now it's coming up in my systems. I think I just typed in the symbol wrong. All right, uh, a lot of cash in their balance sheet, so that's a positive, right? Where Market cap's 313 million, enterprise value 250. So they have a bunch of cash in their balance sheet. Um, you know what? I, it's hard for me to get a good picture of this of this company. You said it's an Israeli company. Its earnings are all over the map. Certainly high risk. I wouldn't go after that, after that yield because it looks like that might have been a one-time payment, one-time payment. So, uh, and then if you look at the chart here, it's it's in a downtrend. And it hasn't really recovered. Now you could say the lows in March were at about four dollars and eighty cents a share. Now we're at five sixty-five. You could say if it breaks that, then I'm out. Gives you a ten, fifteen percent downside risk, which you could get, see this at ten dollars. Like you know, before the pandemic, that's where it was. So, and I see their business probably bouncing back. So, it's interesting to me. Not excited about it because their business performance is all over the place, and I would not get excited about that yield because I think that was a one-time payment. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about eight minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Let's touch on the recent announcement announcement by Epic Games, and they had their game Fortnite removed from the Apple and Google Play stores. Now, what they did was they are allowing their users, at least through the app, to have a d- pay with a discount by circumventing Apple and Google's payment platforms. And immediately when they did that, Apple and Google removed them from the App Store. And then immediately, Epic filed the lawsuit. And that lawsuit basically is an antitrust lawsuit saying that these players are unfairly penalizing those companies that are on the App Store. And this is the first time a company of this size has really attacked Apple and Google for their monopolistic tendencies, let's say that. And what's even more interesting is that Spotify, Match, Facebook, even Microsoft are all backing Epic Games in this fight. Now, Fortnite 
hauled in $1 billion in player spending on the iOS, on iOS devices through mid-May this year. $1 billion. So there's big money in this fight because Apple takes 30, a 30% cut from all money that's spent within the app. Now, a lot of these other software companies don't have this platform, right, where so many people are downloading using games from their app store. Only really Apple and Google have this. So this could be, and likely will be, a turning point, I think, in the antitrust suits, because now you have both private, like this epic suit, and public FTC and DOJ investigations as well into antitrust practices. So certainly Google and Apple are facing massive pressure because they're getting it from both sides, from the public and private. Now for years, a lot of developers have complained about Apple's tax, they call it. 30% being way too high. But most of them were very, very small. They didn't have the money to get into a legal fight with Apple or Google or both. Epic does. So these are titans taking on titans. And that's going to get people's attention. Now in the next Invest Talk, the story. Is there a more short-term pain ahead for gold and silver? One trader is warning that even though the long-term fundamental picture looks intact, sometimes on Wall Street when things get extreme, you can see a reversal. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Go to Damien in Phoenix looking at Kamiko Corporation. You looking to buy it or do you own it? Yeah, I'm looking to buy it. I'm kind of curious about what you think of the uranium sector right now. I'm kind of coming down off some uh, lows over the last uh, decade, a couple of years. And Mm. clean energy or different kinds of energy are um, looking up. So kind of see what what you had to say about it. Uh, I actually like the uranium industry. Now, it's been in the doldrums for a while, and nothing solves low prices in the commodity industry better than low prices because supply gets shut in, production gets reduced, uh, and uranium is no different. Now, the recent COVID has shut down some mines across the world. There's uh, a lot in... I believe it's Afghanistan, or no, Kazakhstan, I'm sorry. And that Kazakhstan is responsible for 40% of the global production. 
So if they change their production, that's a big factor. And I like the commodity space in general because of what I see as potentially weak, weak dollar. And the demand for uranium is actually increasing outside the United States. And I think that the viewpoint on nuclear power is going to get better in the United States as we focus more on cleaner sources of energy. I know a lot of people don't like nuclear because of you know, Three Mile Island and uh, all the other accidents throughout the world that happen every once in a while. But in general, the safety of the industry is very high. And so if we're trying to fight carbon emissions, it's hard to argue too much against the industry. And China and many other countries are embracing nuclear. And I think that's only going to continue. So my biggest issue with CCJ, Kamiko, is the near-term chart. I think the valuation's good, but it's been, it, it fell uh, a few weeks ago pretty hard. I forget the exact news. I think it had something to do with their mine. And it's been trending bearishly, just kind of consolidating and trying to break lower. Uh, but I think there would be some major support. Let me, let me draw some major, uh, some fib lines here. There'd be some nice support right around $8.77. I would love it at eight bucks. Now we're at $10.81. So I am looking to buy this, but technically the backdrop just doesn't look very good. And that worries me the most. So I like that it's on your watch list. It is undervalued, but the technicals need to be repaired after that big drop uh, a few weeks ago. So thanks for the call, Damien. Now, I think we can fit another caller question in one last time. This one came from Pennsylvania. Hey, guys. My name is Ryan. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was just wondering, me and my buddy just recently got into stocks and reading about trading and investing. And I just wanted to know if you guys had any tips or pointers on where to start. And just anything you guys could uh, help me out with as a beginner investor, not really knowing much about the whole thing and how it works, but we are trying to better our future here. And so we have looked into the market and all the stocks, and we just wanted to know if you had any uh, tips and pointers for us as first-time investors. so much. My, my two pointers are A, Focus on saving money first. You're not going to become rich overnight. This is a get rich slowly type of game, not something we're going to get rich quick. Okay. So the most important factor in your long-term financial success is your savings rate. Number two, educate yourself before you do anything. Read books. We have a book section on our site. There's a lot of great books out there to give you some basic foundation. And you need to spend at least six months to a year learning, maybe paper trading before you actually put some money to work. And when you do put money, money to work, make sure it's a small amount. Don't put tens of thousands of dollars. Put in a, a few hundred dollars, maybe a couple thousand dollars at most, and learn that way. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Thursday. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over a hundred archived Invest Talk podcasts for free over at investtalk.com or 
on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.